I look back in the last six months, I think I've actually used this text three times um, because it has been an anchor for me and hopefully an anchor for you. Second Corinthians chapter 4, and in a moment we'll read verses 16 to 18, but it's really about having the perspective of not getting bogged down here when our inheritance is there. <laughs> we need to realize as born-again Christians, our citizenship is in heaven. And a lot of stuff's happening here, but it can be very turbulent if your eyes are what's happening on the earth and not what Jesus is trying to do in our hearts and our lives. And I know sometimes it gets really difficult Man, we've got families in our church even today that are going through extremely difficult times. Now, some of you might be going through difficult times spiritually, maybe financially. Maybe you've started to tithe, but it just, you're still short of money and you get discouraged. Maybe you have gotten victory over a sin for a period of time, but just because of all the pressures, you needed an escape and now you have found yourself back prisoner of that same addiction. And you're tempted to say, oh, what's the use? What's the use? No matter what I do, my wife is angry at me. No matter what I do, my kids think they hate me. No matter what I do, I'm defeated instead of walking in the joy of the Lord. This scripture gives us the key that we can Get rid of all those excuses. And I've entitled this message, No More What's the Use Excuse. <laughs> because we've all been there, haven't we? Oh, what's the use? What's the use? And I finally saved up some money for that particular item, and then my car breaks down. What's the use? And Satan uses that, friends, to keep us captive. So no more... No more what's the use excuse. In my life, in your life, no matter who's governor or president, no matter what our bank account looks like, whether it's raining or whether the sun's out, let's just forget about the what's the use excuse. Hey, before I go on, I just want to publicly thank Pastor Darth that message he preached last week was one of the finest he has preached in the last 20 years. Man, that was good. Man, he has served us so well in so many. Yeah, let's give Pastor Darth just a show of our appreciation. Tay, he has been so steady in providing ministry for us through the years. Wherever we've needed him, and more and more, it's really nice just to be able to take a weekend off and uh, just not worry about a thing. And that was a great message. If you know anything about Greek mythology, there's a legend about a king by the name of Sisyphus. Sisyphus. I've practiced that all week. Sisyphus. <laughs> and he was the founder of a city called Ephria. Now, this king had a reputation for being violent, always up to no good, and somehow able on two different occasions to defeat death 
through his own kind of convoluted trickery. And the mythical Greek gods of the time, we know they were just myths, they have no power, but they were not pleased with his deceptive ways. So they decided among themselves that they were going to punish King Sisyphus. And he would be required for time everlasting to push an immense boulder uphill. You remember studying this at all? So he would be pushing this big, giant, heavy boulder up the hill. And when he almost reached the top, of course, he would be so tired, the boulder would roll back to the bottom. And they would require him to start all over again. And in essence, they sentenced him to an eternity of hard labor immersed in futility. Eternal futility. <laughs> you think, man, what's the use? <laughs> I'm glad baseball season has uh, got an opening day, and I'm excited, and I'm thinking, should I get my hopes up that this could be the year for the Mariners? <laughs> or is that an exercise in eternal futility? <laughs> you know? But this was the payback that they gave this king. Hard work would eventually get you nowhere. And many of us have felt that way. You're in a futile situation, and you think it's just a cruel, unusual punishment. And by the way, this mythical king, Sisyphus, who founded this town, Ephora, that is now the present-day city of Corneth, which is where our sermon takes place today. And I want to focus on these three verses, and like I say, I've used them multiple times over the last six or nine months, but they're all built on this phrase, do not lose heart. And friends, that would be what God would say to us today, do not lose heart. Don't lose heart. Maybe you're discouraged, maybe you're feeling disenchanted, maybe you're disillusioned. And you think life itself is just uh, exercise in futility. Just like rolling up a heavy boulder up a hill would be. But the Apostle Paul wrote 2 Corinthians. And when you look at the Apostle Paul, he of all people could have succumbed to a what's the use excuse mentality. Man, a lot of things went south for Paul. And he could have said, what's the use? Why am I even trying to propagate this gospel of Jesus? I end up in prison. I end up flogged. Church people don't like me. I leave the church I oversee, and pretty soon there's false doctrine that's creeping through it. He experienced, Paul did. I mean, Paul was an ordinary guy. And he experienced one setback after another setback. One disappointing outcome after another disappointing outcome. Yet he remained confident through it all. If Paul can remain as confident as he was in God, we can remain confident in 2022. Now, how did he do it? Well, first, he made it a point to renew his heart his mind and his spirit every day. 
You can't just come to church on Sunday morning and think your gas tank is full for the rest of the week. You got to have a fresh relationship with the living Christ every single day, every single hour. We are transformed, according to Romans, by the renewing of our mind, which comes through the Scripture, comes through allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us. Paul took control of his thoughts. We talked about that recently. He spent time in the Word. He didn't have the complete Word as we do, but he had the Old Testament. He had the Septuagint. We know Paul pulled away and spent time in the presence of God. We know Paul served people. He didn't demand service. He served others. And he found that time of refreshing, knowing that he needed to be strong in his spirit. And the second reason I think that Paul didn't lose heart is that he refused to surrender to futility. Of saying, boy, my vote doesn't count. My prayers aren't effective. My service to others just get me more heartache. Paul never fell back on the what's the use excuse. And we shouldn't either. Every church, every pastor, every leader, every parent, every spouse, every follower of Jesus Christ will face situations in which, which we can almost justifiably ask ourselves, what's the use? Why do I put myself through this? I try and try and I get nowhere. And just as I think I make a little progress, that boulder <laughs> begins rolling back and I find myself at the bottom of the hill. So friends, don't lose heart. If you're on the verge of losing heart, Especially if it's been a tough couple of years in our country, in our community, in our church. Man, but we can be sure that there's more to life than what's here. See, we can only observe from our limited viewpoint. God looks down, He sees everything. We can learn to see life from God's perspective. We can learn to tackle difficult times knowing that from God's perspective, they're helping us become more like him. And that's why Paul didn't lose heart. That's why we shouldn't lose heart. Here it is. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. If it's not highlighted in your Bible, it should be. Your pastor gives you permission to write in your Bible. Therefore... What's it say? Do not lose heart. Say with me. Do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away. Whether that's physically, whether that's economically, whatever it is. Outwardly, all this stuff around us can be wasting away. Yet inwardly we can be renewed day by day in the Holy Spirit. For our light and momentary troubles have a purpose. They are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs all these struggles, all these anxious moments, all these times of disappointment and confusion. 
So what do we do? Here is what we are to do. We are to fix our eyes not on what is seen, not what you see on the news, not what you hear on talk radio. Don't fix your eyes on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen, what we see right now on this earth is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Oh, that's such good scripture. And regardless of how it may seem, life is not futile, friends. It's filled with a promise. It's filled with hope, with more than we contain, can contain if we simply look through the lens of God's word. So this morning, if you're struggling, maybe you're watching online, maybe you're watching this video weeks after, after today. I, I don't know, but I want to challenge you to remind yourself of some things that we can learn from the Apostle Paul. And the first is, what we're dealing with today is nothing compared to what lies ahead. What you're dealing with, I don't care what it is, doesn't compare to being in the presence of the Lord for all of eternity. A place there's no pain, no tears. Streets of gold. What you're dealing with today is nothing compared to what lies ahead. See, our challenge is to get our eyes off our current situation and onto the fullness of the inheritance of Jesus Christ. You know, we would probably do ourselves a favor when we gather together in social groups instead of talking about COVID or Ukraine or the stock market or gas prices or we'd probably be better off talking about the things of the Lord exchanging promises aren't you glad that even though we're going through difficult times God has promised to be the strength of our heart aren't you glad that the Lord has promised never to leave us nor forsake us you know if we really edified and build each other up we probably would be stronger inwardly as the scripture says, to face all those outward pressures. I've used the example multiple times. It's like a football. The reason a football does not deflate when eight 300-pound men jump on it is because the pressure on the inside of that football is greater than the pressure on the outside. That's why Paul is saying we have to be strong inwardly. We have to understand that the inheritance that awaits us far outweighs any difficulties. Our difficulties today are truly light and temporary compared to the reward that God will give us as we keep our faith in Christ and we hear those words at the end of our earthly journey, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now I want to give you a kind of a silly illustration. Imagine you have gotten your dream job. I mean, the ultimate job. We're talking about, you know, six figures. We're talking about full benefits, ideal hours, a corner office, you know overlooks the skyline or overlooks the beach or whatever, a really supportive boss, 
a culture of cooperation among your co-workers and all the free donuts you can eat. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. It's a perfect job. Except one thing, you still have to deal with paper. They haven't gone electronic and you have to deal with paper. And once in a while you get a paper cut. You ever had a paper cut? Man. And unfortunately on this new job, you get a paper cut almost every day. So you're thinking about turning in your notice. I don't laugh. I mean, you might not realize how painful a paper cut can be. Have you ever tried to peel an orange if you had a paper cut? <laughs> Pretty bad. It stings. Now, I don't play the guitar, but I bet you Pastor Darth would find it difficult if he had a paper cut on his hand to do the courting the way that he does. He'd probably have to put a Band-Aid or something on his eye. You know, paper cuts can be serious business. Have you ever tried to tie your shoe with a paper cut? It hurts. You have to use different fingers. Or maybe some of you ladies knit or write. Or, you know, if you had a paper cut on your finger, it'd be hard to even swipe your phone screen when you think about it. You see? If you focus in on that paper cut, man... You can understand why maybe you'd want to just resign this dream job. Now, I'm, <laughs> I'm overstating my case. I understand that. Like hyperbole. Jesus did it all the time. Exaggerated things to help us have a better perspective. We all know it would be ridiculous to leave a cushy job over such a minor thing as a paper cut. A paper cut is a small price to pay for perfect working conditions. And that's what Paul is saying here. Man, you might have some problems in your life, but really, in reality, if your focus is on Jesus, if your destination is eternity, those things are nothing more than a paper cut. When you think about your full inheritance, every spiritual blessing of God is yours. Why do we complain about these earthly things? You know, Paul said it also in Romans chapter 8. Verse, it's in Romans 8. I, I think it's eight, 16 or 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth, our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Hallelujah. Man, if whatever is happening this moment is all you can see and you can't see anything else, yeah, that paper cut is really annoying. It can be one of the worst things that happened to your day. But if you can look beyond the moment, if you can see what God is doing in your life, through your life, if you can see the future that God has planned for you, if you can see the eternity that God has for you, a paper cut becomes meaningless. And that's all our current problems really are, friends. <laughs> In the grand scheme of things, and I want to make it clear that when I talk about God's plan for your future, I'm not just talking about heaven although that's the ultimate goal for all of us. But I'm just talking about the 
inheritance that we have in him as we plod through this life. He's promised to give us peace. Peace I give to you. He's promised to give us joy. There are things that we inherit here and now. God has blessings for you. There's victories he wants you to win this year. And the light and momentary troubles that we've got to endure today are simply paper cuts compared to the blessings he wants to pour out on our life. Now, the second thing is, we've got to remember what we're dealing with today is actually doing me more good than harm. Now, that's a tough one. Because when you're in pain, man, that's about all you can see is the pain. But Paul does say our light and momentary troubles are what? They're achieving for us an eternal glory. Sometimes we endure pain knowing that the goal at the end is going to be worth it. Some of you, even in this room, have gone through horrific rounds of chemotherapy. But it's extended your life. Some of you have gone through really difficult times, but during those difficult times, you knew that if you trusted God, he was going to make things better for your family. See, in other words, our pain, our suffering, if you, now I'm talking to Christians here, if you are fully committed to the Lord, your pains are going to be working for you, not against you. Now, a good example of that is Paul himself. Um, His dream was, was to go to Rome. He wanted to go to Rome. Why? Because he wanted to minister to the people in Rome. He wanted to preach. Not exactly how it happened. (laughs) He got to Rome, but he was taken there in shackles as a prisoner. Now, think about that for a moment. And when he got to Rome, he was put in a prison. And it appeared from the outward perspective and from the looks of things that his ministry plans had come to a screeching halt. So what did he he do? Did he wave a white flag? Did he grumble and complain about the Romans, about the guards? Did he say, oh, looks like the devil won this round? No. No. Not even close to what he said. In fact, Philippians chapter 1, we studied this recently in our Wednesday night Bible study. Philippians chapter 1, verses 12, 13, and 14 record what Paul's response was. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. What Satan meant for harm and destruction, God turned around for good. And Paul was able to recognize that at the time. I wish I could recognize God's work when I go through difficult times. I went through a really difficult time here two, three years ago. 
I thought, you know, where I, I knew God was with me, but it just was so confusing, so painful. Now, two, three years out now, I can look back and say, oh, oh, oh that's what God was doing. He knew all along. Man, he did something in my life that could never have been done in any other way. He did something in this situation that is setting, uh, setting us up for the future. I, it's amazing. Hindsight's always 20-20. What I want is Paul's faith. So when I'm going through the difficult time, when I'm suffering all these outward inconveniences, that I can keep my eyes on Jesus, that I can trust God, that I can understand that even the pain is not going to be wasted. Our Thursday men's group is going through a series called Shaken. Mike Franks is facilitating it, but it's a video series by Tim Tebow. And one of the things Tim Tebow said just this past Thursday is God will never waste your pain. God will never waste your pain. See, in Paul's life, most people would say, man, you know, I'm in prison for preaching the gospel? Man, that's the worst thing that could ever happen. Let me out of here. And Paul said, oh, this is a win. I got a captive audience now. <laughs> I've got people who really need to hear the gospel. And it's not just Paul. Think back in the Old Testament. Joseph. Joseph's brother sold him into slavery. An outsider might have never guessed that God would use that, that to bring salvation to an entire nation. But later, if you remember, Joseph and his brothers had a chance to clear the air when they came to Egypt. And again, in Genesis chapter 50, we read, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So friends, let's all try our best to remember what you're dealing with today isn't just really happening to you, it's happening for you. It's not just happening to you, it's happening for you. The injection, the treatment might hurt, but it's for you. Even when the Holy Spirit convicts us and corrects us, it's for our good. Even when he allows our own stupid decisions to get us in a mess, and we come to him and say, help, can you rescue me? <laughs> He's using it for us. I, you know, I, I love uh, mystery stories. I like to read like John Grisham and different mystery writers. I, I like a good author who particularly gives a clue early in the book that seems to be evidence, you know, and so you're kind of tracking that person because you're following this clue. And it's kind of designed really to send a certain character and maybe, you know, even you as the reader off in the wrong direction. And I'm sure you're familiar with that. It's actually called a red herring. 
That's the term for a red herring. A red herring, by definition, the job of a red herring is to distract you, to keep you looking in the wrong place, focused on the wrong thing. I just read a book, oh, it's been a month or so ago, by an author, and I, I had this thing figured out. I mean, I did. No doubt in my mind, I thought, finally, after all these years of reading mysteries, I've got this one figured out. It's amazing in the last two chapters of that book how I was thrown off. I talk about a red herring. All of a sudden, she brought all the characters together, and I was clueless. I thought, I can't believe I didn't see that because my focus was on that red herring. It's kind of like really when you wake up in the morning, you have a choice to say, this is the day the Lord hath made. I'm going to be glad and rejoice in it. Or to turn on the news and be distracted and say, boy, you know, my hip kind of hurts today. I bet you I'm going to have trouble getting into the car this morning. It's not going to be a good day for me. I can tell it right now. You know, really, it is a perspective. Because if that is what you're looking at, that's what your mind, your emotions are going to follow. That's why we have to be looking at Jesus, our king, our guide. All those other things are red herrings out there. The economy is a red herring. You know, all that, it's the red herrings. Don't be hoodwinked by this device of the enemy. Paul wasn't. But see those moments for what they are. God is using your circumstances to your advantage to do something in your life. Does that make it easier? Uh, I don't know. It can still be hard. And I empathize for so many of you that are going through difficult times. And in no way am I trying to play that down or demean them. But if you understand, man, I've got to keep my eyes on the goal, on the prize. And in the midst of all this, God, you're doing something in my life, and I thank you for that. A couple of weeks ago, we talked, or maybe three weeks ago, we talked about, you know, the gold being refined. And many of us say, Lord, show me my heart. I want to see the impurities so I can take care of them. So he, what does he do? <laughs> he turns up the heat. <laughs> he begins to refine us. He turns up the heat, and we go, God, what are you doing? He's answering our prayers. He's answering our prayers. Third thing, remember, what I'm dealing with today is merely a short-term situation. Even if it goes for years, it's short-term. You know, we tend to think of our life as being the 70 or 80 or 90 years here on earth. <laughs> We're just passing through. The problem won't last, but if your eyes are on Jesus, you'll last. You'll last. Paul uses a couple of terms differently than maybe we might expect with our Western mentality. For example, we often think of our problems as heavy, right, and burdensome. You know, oh, problems are bearing us down. And we tend to think of um, happiness as something kind of light you know, and, and fleeting, you know, light and breezy. 
where our burdens are, are a, they're, they're bearing down on us. But Paul makes a kind of a different comparison here. I don't know if you caught it. It says, for our light, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So he's saying our problems are light and the glory that awaits us is heavy. Now that's opposite of kind of what we think. We think our burdens are heavy and then when we get through them, we're going to be light and happy. And he's saying, no, actually your problems are light and the glory that awaits is heavy. What does he mean by that? Maybe I'll... Let Pastor Darth answer that question next time he preaches. <laughs> Let's consider the weight of glory. It's like a ton of granite. Think of a ton of granite. Some types of successes are here today and gone tomorrow. But the inheritance that God has planned for us is not going anyplace. It's not light. It's set in stone. Your inheritance and heavy in the fact that it's strong, it's secure, it's like a fortress. Your inheritance is never going to budge. It'll always be there. That's what Paul was thinking here. And our problems, they're somewhat like a, a dandelion. You ever notice that not even a huge fortress, not, you, go, you go hiking above the tree line, and you get up there where there's nothing but rocks, and all of a sudden you look down and you see a dandelion. And you think, man, how'd that happen? You know, there's no fortresses that have ever been built that have kept out dandelions. Because they're fragile. Their existence is fleeting. We know that. It only takes a mere puff of wind to make those little florets disappear. And Paul is using a kind of interesting angle here. He's saying, your problems today, compared to the blessings God has in store for you, are like the difference between a little dandelion, light and fluffy, and a mountain made of granite that is safe and secure. That's your spiritual inheritance. Even the problems that are most painful and persistent, Pale in the light of God's eternal glory. Remind yourself that. Your situation will not last. But if you trust in Jesus, you'll last. <laughs> King Sisyphus was sentenced to that never-ending process of pushing the boulder up the hill, only to have it roll back down on him. But listen... There's nothing that you do in the service to our great God that could ever qualify or be defined as futile. That prayer that you pray for the missionary or the pastor or that person that you heard was going through a difficult time, God does not see that as futile because God is causing it all to work together. He redeems our light and momentary troubles. Whatever you're going through, he will redeem it. 
So see it as something in comparison to what he's prepared for you. Don't look at the paper cut. Look at all the other benefits of walking with Jesus. Don't let things be a red herring to you. Temporary distraction. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Now, some of your troubles are going to be resolved in the not-too-distant future. Weeks, months. Some you might deal with all your life. But still, your final or your troubles will find their final resolve in eternity. And you can make sure that God's going to redeem each and every trial we go through. As the worship team prepares to come, I just want to say our God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, is not a boulder of futility that rolls up and down the hill. He is the rock that is steady, that is eternal. Our inheritance outweighs every light and momentary difficulty we have. So whatever you're dealing with today, look up. (laughs) Look up. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Would you bow your head for just a moment as we have a word of prayer. I just really feel led this morning to ask if there's anyone here today that has never, never surrendered their life to Jesus. Because that's where it all starts. It's to say, Lord, I need help. I've sinned and I need a Savior. I need someone to come into my life whom I can trust in the good times and the bad times the times I understand and the times I don't understand. And if you're here today, we just want to help you. Most of us in this room have found a personal relationship with Jesus. That doesn't mean all our problems disappear, but it means we have a God on our side who gives us strength, who gives us peace and joy and provision. We have a different outlook on life because we know that everything we're experiencing here is temporary. Our reward will come that day that we enter the presence of Jesus. So if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus into your heart and you want to do that today, I just want you to raise your hand. Just going to take a moment. I just want to make sure that each of you have that opportunity and have made that decision. So tough to live in today's culture, in today's world. But Jesus can make all the difference in your perspective. Just wait a moment. I just trust everyone here has accepted Christ. And I know that many of you, perhaps this sermon has been a a call to kind of adjust your perspective. So I want to pray for you that your eyes will not be on that little paper cut that's a distraction, but your eyes will be upon all you have now and eternally in the spiritual blessings of Jesus Christ. 
Lord, I pray for this congregation, not only those in this room, but those who are watching on live stream today. Some have been through some difficult, difficult journeys the last two or three years. Lord, they're, they're burdened. They're worn out. They're tempted to throw in the towel and say, what's the use? But today, we pledge to be like the Apostle Paul and realize that you're causing all things to work together for our good. That whatever we're facing today is temporary. You're with us. You're working for us, even in our painful times. Help us to do like Paul and renew our mind daily. May hourly we speak to you and ask that you be our guide. May your Holy Spirit be truly that paraclete, that one called alongside to help. Thank you, Jesus, that you're with us. Thank you, Lord, that we know that you win in the end. You come back. Justice will prevail. You will right the wrong. And we look forward to that day. And as our eyes are upon you, our Savior and our soon coming King, we can rejoice today because of Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. Amen and amen. Stand together. Would you join me?